All right, thank you for sticking around for our afternoon service. We're going to have a word of prayer and open up the service. Brother Travis, would you mind, sir? Hello again for our uh, one song in our uh, second service will be sing page 560 just over in the glory land page 560 we'll be singing the first second and the last verse. this morning he and his wife and his family uh, they got four beautiful babies back there and they're not all babies but they're they're all babies and uh, but the, they they're back in the nursery oh, oh there's two of them here so two of them are in the nursery two of them are here and it's good to have this wonderful family with us uh, he's going to do a slideshow as brother Adam's getting that uh, fired up I guess um, but uh, please uh, they want to hear your questions so 
Uh, that's something that missionaries, they enjoy answering questions, especially the easy ones. They, they like those. Uh, but if you have any questions, please feel free to ask them. Uh, if you're embarrassed to ask them, ask them afterwards. They, they'll be happy to answer any questions that you may have. So, Brother Nathaniel, sir, would you come? I guess we'll, we'll go ahead and watch the video, and then I'll just give another brief explanation, maybe a little more detail, and then, of course, like the pastor said, any questions. There is no, everything's open, and if, like he said, if you don't want to ask us in public, then ask us afterwards. We do love answering questions, okay? That just shows people are interested, so very interested. So watch, enjoy the video, and then I'll uh, talk a little bit more. Hello, we are the Steinbart family, sent by Martinsville Baptist Tabernacle in Indiana and through the Mission Board Baptist World Mission. We are burdened for the continent of Africa. Africa looks small on a map, but in reality it is a vast area with an unparalleled population. You can fit the countries of China, Japan, Great Britain, India, Italy, Switzerland, Germany, France, Spain, Portugal, Belgium, the Netherlands, all of Eastern Europe, and the entire United States inside of it, and still have some room left over. It is calculated that in less than 30 years, there will be over 2 billion people living in the continent of Africa. We are specifically focusing on the East African country of Kenya, home to over 45 million people. The country can be divided into over 40 tribes in roughly 67 languages. Though English and Swahili are the official languages of the country, many of the Kenyans speak only their tribal languages fluently. Kenya is bordered by Tanzania, Uganda, South Sudan, Ethiopia, Somalia, and the Indian Ocean. We will be working in Nakuru, the fourth largest city in Kenya, with the veteran missionaries, the Mickey family. Nakuru, as the fourth largest city, is one of the fastest growing cities in the world. In the past 10 years, it has expanded from under 300,000 people to over 800,000 people. If you lived in Kenya, you would die about 16 years sooner, be five and a half times more likely to be unemployed, 10 times more likely to have HIV or AIDS, and make over 96% less money every year. On the positive side, you would spend over 99% less money on health care and use 99% less electricity. Kenya looks much different from our home here in America. The streets are primarily made from dirt and buildings are often crude and shabby. However, the animal life is exotic. And vegetation is both plentiful and delicious. The people range from the very poor who live in the slums or beg on the streets to the wealthy class who live in large homes enclosed within beautiful stone walls. In 2010, I saw Kenya for the first time and experienced God using me in a place I thought I would never go. For six months, I taught, witnessed, and learned. And when I left, I knew I would be back. Four years later, I returned with my wife and baby daughter to minister for another three and a half months, teaching, preaching, and soul winning. We saw Africa's spiritual need firsthand, and it is great. 
The main two religions in Africa are Islam and Christianity. In Kenya, the predominant religion is Christianity. Of those who confess Christianity, many are deceived and have no understanding of biblical salvation. The Africans use the term Christian very loosely. To them, it means a person may be Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Catholic, Baptist, or one of many other variations. Many Africans have no understanding of eternal security and base their salvation on their own works. Satan has used the prosperity gospel and false teachers to consume this continent and to blind its people. They need strong Christians and God-honoring churches that will rightly divide the word of truth. 1 Timothy 3.15 describes the church as the pillar and ground of the truth. We are burdened to partner with the Kenyan Nationals to plant churches that will be able to effectively reach their communities with the true gospel of Jesus Christ. By teaming up with Nationals, we plan to see more areas reached with a local church plant and to eliminate the common transition from American missionary to national pastor. Where are we going to find these men who will be able to effectively and accurately preach the Word of God? We must begin by training them, grounding them in the Word, and giving them living examples of biblical Christianity. With this in mind, Rift Valley Baptist Bible College was formed. Our primary goal is to fulfill 2 Timothy 2.2, which states, The things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The college seeks to train both men and women to be effective leaders in their local church and fervent witnesses in their communities. Though we as Americans cannot live full-time in many African countries due to war and other violence, Africa has an open border agreement among its countries allowing Africans to live and work in any African country without needing a visa. These African men and women can and are effectively reaching the surrounding countries with the gospel. Already, graduates from the college have planted churches in various areas of Kenya, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Burundi, Tanzania, and this year, South Sudan, the newest country in the world. But they need help. They need teachers and partners. We are excited to go and be that help. During our first term, our goals are to set up a home and adapt to African culture, to learn Swahili and develop relationships within our neighborhood, to participate in several church plants with Brother Mickey and the National Church Planters, to teach in the Bible College and Christian School training nationals to reach Africa for Christ. Please pray for us as we seek to reach Kenya and the regions beyond by planting churches and training nationals to reach their own continent for Christ. That's a little bit about what God is calling us to do. And so let me just share maybe a little more specific. Um, so the church is right now, oh, first of all, the college. When you hear the word college and when I hear the word college, we usually think of someone that goes off to college for four years or longer, and then they come away and they have a degree. Well, that's not what, that's not how they use the word college, okay? Just to put it simply. It's, it's, um, if you think of the word continuing education or they come there for three weeks out of the year, each one during their, ho their holiday months, and they start class at 8 in the morning, and they go to about 9 at night for one week. That's, a, that's a very intense. But the goal is not to get a degree. I mean, they do pass out like a certificate if you pass the institute. But the goal is for those pastors mostly that come, that they would continue to get new tools as they try to train their, uh, train their people there. So um, our goal is to join Brother Mickey and to work with the nationals 
training them in the college setting there, in the institute setting. But then also what we did when we were there in July is we went out and we visited them out in the, in the upcountry is what they call it. And what that means is, okay, so you drive, I think we drove like four, six hours, I don't know, and you go out there and there's a village and they have their church of maybe 20, 20 people. But there's not really any other churches that are very close to them. So can you imagine if you are like the only Christian in that area? That could be kind of discouraging. And so Brother Mickey seeks to strengthen those church plants, you know, by going and visiting them, providing encouragement, trying to help them get together and have their pastor's fellowships with maybe some people that are close to them. A lot of those pastors don't have vehicles. A lot of the Africans don't have vehicles. And so you have to walk or pay a taxi. And so he can pick them up and he can bring them together and they can have some time of fellowship or he can help them come to the college. And so that's really his ministry now that they have a church established and they're planning these other ones. He's his goal is to plant churches with the nationals, but then also provide the encouragement so those churches continue to be churches and not just close on themselves. So when we saw that, we're like, wow, he is doing an amazing work. There's 36 church plants that he's involved in right now. What does he need us to do? <laughs> I was like, what are, we, what are we going to do? What's, where do we fit in this ministry? And so I get to be a part of all of those things and hopefully extend it and make more church plants. But then the pastor, well, First of all, Pat, Brother Mickey believes in the local church, and here's what I mean. So a lot of missionaries that I've seen, when they want to do a new project, they start it, and then, of course, they lead the people along. So, hey, we want to go plant a church here, so he'll go start planting a church there, and then the people kind of come along. But do you see who's leading that church plant? It's the missionary, because he's the one that made the decision. And that's, there's a place for that. But what, he, what he's made it his philosophy to do now, that church is established there in Nakuru, and so he says, okay, when God wants to do something, he always works through the local church. So if he's going to do something, he's going to lay it on their heart. And I can pray for it, but I'm not going to tell them what to do because I'm not over them. So when we were there in July, actually, that's when it happened, the pastor of that church in Nakuru came back from a trip in Burundi, and he said, you know, we have been waiting for years for some missionary to translate our Bible that we have, retranslate it, and give us, give us a better translation to Swahili. But you know what? We have what we need. We can just start translating it ourselves again because we don't need to wait for someone else. And Brother Mickey took that as a sign. Okay, God's laying it on their heart that they need a new translation. So if you look on my table, there is a Swahili Bible there. It's a, a Baptist Union version. It's the one most people use. It's based off the critical text. Um, but even despite that, there's also issues where... Um, trying to think of how to best explain it. It's just not a very accurate translation. So here's one example they gave me, because um, I don't read Swahili very well. They said, okay, in the Old Testament, you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that go into the fire. And do you remember uh, the king is looking in, and he sees a fourth person. And who is that fourth person? It says the Son of God. Okay, is the words there? Well, in their Bible, it says the Son of the Gods. Okay, and so... Now, okay, there, there's reasons why that would be an easy mistake to make, but that's just one example. So if I go there and I preach in English, and then they're translating into Swahili, what they have to do, and I got to see some of this, is, okay, I read my passage in English, and they use the King James Bible, and then you go into Swahili, and they read it from Swahili, and then they have to say, okay, that's not actually what it says. It says, and then translate what I just said. That seems like a hassle, but... Would that give confidence if every time, you know, pastor came up here and preached from the Bible and he says, actually, that's not what it says. It actually says this. Would you look at your Bible and say, well, that's just God's word. 
Or would you say, okay, I wonder what I'm missing here because that's not what it really says. And that's kind of what's been going on there. And so nobody's taken on the task of translating it, and so they want me to be involved in it, and they're going to, I'm going to work with them, and we're going to translate the Bible, Lord willing, when I get there. So that's a big project that was not on my bucket list to do, but that was, that's part of God's timing. They weren't ready for that before, but now they are. They want that to happen. They would like us to be involved in music, and then, of course, teaching in the Bible College and just um, working in the church plants. So there's a lot for us to do there. Even just the translation itself is a huge project, and then, of course, everything else there. And so please pray for us. We are at 73% of our support. We do have an iPad out there that has an electronic way to sign up for our prayer letters, and we do try to send them out once a month because... Like this, mor- like this morning's message, you know, we talked about God, um, having faith in God. And if we believe that God answers prayer, we want you guys to know what to pray for. We're not just going to send it out, you know, a quarter. We want you to know, okay, this is what God's doing. This is how God's answered your prayers. And this is what we want you to pray for. That's what we try to send it out once a month. We want to keep you update- up to date so you know what's going on. Don't want to overwhelm your email bo- um, inbox. But we do covet your prayers. So do please pray for us. All right, so now I'm going to open up to four questions, if you have any questions um, of any type. I'm here. My wife's there. Yes? I don't know if I misunderstood or not. I know there's different languages over there, but did you say that English is a common language over there? Yes, they have two official languages, English and then Swahili. Those are the two languages. And then there's all the tribal languages. So everyone has a tribal language they know and then they learn Swahili, and then they go to school and they learn English. And so the government, uh, when you go to the government, it's either in English or Swahili. All the signs are in English or Swahili. I could go there right now and minister, and I have, in English and be just fine. But a lot of the people are more fluent in Swahili, and so besides translating the Bible into Swahili, I just, I have seen how useful it would be to know Swahili. So I'm, I'm learning it right now as best as I can on my own, and then when we get there, we'll hire a tutor and we'll learn it as best as we can. But yes, they speak both languages. Yes? Uh, being an American, does it uh, make some things more difficult or does it make some things easier? Yes. <laughs> um, so Africans, not just Kenyans from what I can tell, but Africans in general look at Americans like us and think, wow, you guys are wealthy and Kenyans specifically like Americans. They want to be like Americans. Now, their idea of an American is TV, okay? So I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't watch TV, but I don't think I live like the people on TV, but okay, that's besides the point. So they love Americans. So you can come over there, any one of you. You don't have to be an amazing soul owner. You can go knock on doors, and if somebody's home, most likely you'll be invited into their house. They'll sit you down, they'll give you tea, and our our coffee and something to eat, maybe some biscuits, that's cookies for us Americans. You know, they'll give us something like that, and then they will listen to you as you give them the gospel, okay? That's amazing, isn't it? And you can go into their public schools, and their public schools are mandated to have religious education. We actually were just talking to another person that's going to be in Nairobi, but he's working on getting gospel safaris is what he calls them, and so he's going to bring in Americans and bring them in, and in the public schools, not Christian schools, these are public schools, they get an hour to preach to the public school students. And if any of them respond, they have as long as they need to deal with them. Isn't that amazing? And that's mandated by the government from the very beginning, okay? So it's very open. They love, they love Americans, and, you know, they're open to the gospel. Now, 
downside, okay? Because they want to, us to like them and they, they want to be on our good side, they will, see, they will say anything they think you want to hear, okay? So when I give the gospel and give the invitation, they may say, oh, yes, I want to get saved and pray, you know, a prayer, and, and we think, wow, that's great. But I don't know if they actually got saved or not because are they saying it for me or was God actually working in their heart? And so one, one example, okay, this is not me. Um, one missionary got there, and he planned a church. He saw lots of people saved, saved, okay, so to speak. And within a year, I think he had 400 members of his church. That would be amazing. You know, anybody would love to plant a church and have that many people. So he thought he was doing good. He turned it over to a national that was solid. The pastor was solid. And within, I think, a week or two, the membership dropped from 400 to about 16, okay? Because they were not there because they were there for the gospel. They were there because the white missionary was there. And they thought, white missionary has money, so if I get on his good side, I might get some of his money and be rich like him or whatever. You know, it doesn't quite make sense to us, but that's kind of how it works. So that's why I love the idea of working with the national because it kind of eliminates. That doesn't happen all the time, okay? There's ways to work around it and... and you know, God gives grace. But if I can work with the national as the pastor, you know what? I'm not a roadblock for God working, okay? So, yes, it's, there's, it, it is easy, and yes, it's hard. <laughs> Just, I mean, in the same ways, it's like here, you know? There's good things and there's bad things about being here in America. And, you know, God can use all of them. All right, any other? Yes, ma'am. I'm having trouble with Islamic, so is there any persecution that? No. Uh, so there is Islamics, um, there is Al-Shabaab, uh, Somalia just to the north is an Islamic country, a Muslim country, just to the west is Rwanda, another Muslim country, Ethiopia is a Muslim country, Sudan, which is just north of South Sudan, is a Muslim country. So there are Muslims around there, and when we were there in 2014, there was Muslim bombings in 20, let's see, January of 2019, I believe, there was an Al-Shabaab group that came down and got a hotel, you can read it in the news, and they captured people and they killed people. But that's all Nairobi and kind of east. There are Muslims in the west, and, but what I can tell when I, and what I've been told is when Muslims are not the majority, they're very peaceful. But when, as soon as they get the majority, it kind of changes, but they're not the majority. Um, Kenya is mostly um, Christian, at least nominally, so it's not as dangerous. Um, but yes, they are there. Of course. Uh, your visas, do you have to have visas to go in? I know the, the nationals that have to go to different, for different countries, but do you and your family have to? Right, okay, so let me explain that. So, um, so to go to Kenya, you can go to Kenya, or any one of you can go to Kenya, and you can buy a visitor's visa and be there for 90 days. I mean, you, but you pay for it right at the airport, nothing special. We will get a work permit, which allows us to live there. But then in Africa, and this is another aspect, um, aspect that's neat. In Africa, there's 54 countries in Africa. And it's called the African Union. And they have an open border agreement where an African national can go live and work in another country without a visa. So for instance, when they go to the Democratic Republic of Congo, they have to, they start in Kenya. And they, let me see, I'll start on your side. Kenya, and they go to Uganda and then Rwanda, Burundi, and then into the DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo. So that is, what, five countries? And every country they cross the border, they have to pay a visa fee to get into. So it can be up to $1,000 just for Brother Mickey to take 
a bus and drive from Kenya to the DRC. Uh, but for a national, no cost. I mean, other than paying for the bus ticket. Now, Brother Mickey like, flies into Burundi and then drives over into the DRCs, but he still has to pay visa fees for all of those. Okay, so it's a neat open door that Africans can go cross these borders that I can't. And the DRC, there's, I think, 80 million people that live there. And as far as I know, there's no fundamental missionary there. Burundi, I think there's about 20 million, 40 million people. I mean, there's a large group of people, 20 million people, I think. And again, there's no fundamental missionaries there. I mean, there are some Africans that are planting churches, but that's it. And you have some other countries that are like that. And the reason is there's a lot of fighting going on. And so our government doesn't allow us to live there full time. We can go and visit, but we're not allowed to live there. They don't allow us to either. Um, so those are some of the things. So that's one aspect is that open border where the Africans can do that. Another one is within a year or two, the African Union is voting on making Swahili the official language of Africa. So every country to deal in business will be learning Swahili. It's like, wow, I mean, I know that's probably tending towards one world government, but yet think about the open doors it gives me. I just have to learn Swahili and I should be able to go into any country in Africa and speak Swahili and someone there should understand me. You know, English to some extent, but there's some countries that don't speak any English at all. They speak French or, or tribal languages, but they'll all be learning Swahili. That's a neat open door. I mean, that's exciting. It's almost like back in the book of Acts where everyone spoke Greek. <laughs> oh, those are good questions though. But yes, we do need visas, work permits. Yes, sir. What's the currency exchange rate? It's about 101. So on my table, I have three bills. I have 1,000 shillings, I have 100, and I have 50. So the 1,000 shillings is about $10, and then the 100 is about a dollar and 50 shillings, about 50 cents. So that's there. It's been there for about a year, a couple of years. So an average, to put it in perspective, an average Kenyan can live on, well, that's because they have property and everything, but they can live on, what was it, six or seven US dollars a week? But they grow their own food. They have, I mean, they're pretty self-sustained on their property. But, so it seems like, wow, that currency exchange is so good, but yet it doesn't cost them as much to live there as much as it does in America. Um, their fruits and vegetables, when Lynette and I were there in 2014, we did some um, open air market shopping and we got this big bag of fruits and vegetables and we probably paid $10 for it. I mean, can you imagine fresh fruits, vegetables, you know, mangoes, pineapples, you know, all the, all the good stuff. But then meats, way more expensive than here in America. Like when you do the exchange, meats, um, dairy products are more expensive. So by the time we kind of evened it out, it was about the same the, for us to buy food as it would be here or there, you know, it's the same cost. Yes, sir. You had some slides regarding the uh, streets and um, some of the housing areas. And I'm just curious what the uh, overall, you know, around where you're going to be, the fresh water supply and, and separated sanitary and controlled sanitary. Is that a reality or is that fiction? There? It's Africa. So, <laughs> no. Um, so, water, so where we're going to Nakuru, it's there's a volcano in the area, not active, but it's very salty water, I think because of that. But the church, the Lord allowed the church to be planted um, 
and probably one of the only areas that has fresh water. And so they put a borehole, like a well, in the ground and they pump water out and it's one of the ways they use to support their missionaries actually, because they support missionaries. But they have fresh water there and it doesn't need to be purified or anything like that. It's, it's, you can drink it right out of there. And so then they sell it, they have to, they're required by the government to sell it, but I can get fresh water from them. The city has water, but um, I don't know about, I haven't drunk city water for a while, but city water, they put chemicals in it to kind of kill all the germs. Well, they do the same thing over in Kenya, except for what happens if someone forgets to put the chemicals in one month? Well, they might just double up the next month or something, you know? So one month, you might not have any chemicals, and the next one, you can, like, as you're um, turning on the tap water, it smells very much like chlorine and other chemicals. It's just like, whoa, I think they doubled up this time. They put extra, whatever. So you don't want to drink the water. Just, um, But they do have a fresh water borehole that we can get water and drink. We just have to remember to fill up our water things and come back. Sanitation. Nakuru, because it's growing so fast, sanitation is an issue. And there are, there are areas where they have paved roads and better sanitation. They have areas where it's really bad. Um, and it's kind of a mix of both. But it's kind of like, it's just Africa, so you just kind of get used to it. <laughs> no. And it's where God wants you, so us. Any other questions? Of course, we'd love for you guys, to, if, we can, if you want to, to come, when we get there, to come visit us. Um, my wife and I got to spend the two weeks there, and I know God's called us there, because maybe it's a little different, but... I've been on mission trips to other places, and it is always exciting to go there and to see God working in another country and to see other Christians. So even I've been to Ireland and England and Wales and Northern Ireland and, um, and now Kenya uh, and, of course, other places in the United States, and it's just exciting to see God working. I think you will be thrilled, and a lot of people speak English. You don't have to learn another language, so we would love for you to come. Just let us know if you're coming, and we'll make sure we have a bed for you. And, um, let you see the ministry and just being involved in it and seeing what God's doing. I think it is just, I don't see how anyone else could not be thrilled about what God's doing and feel like, wow, God could use this here. Even though maybe God's not calling you there, but I think you would be thrilled to see what God's doing. So keep our email and just email us and see if we can work that out. <laughs> Any more questions? Well, feel free to ask us afterwards. And like I said, there is a way to sign up for our prayer letters. We do covet your prayers. We know God answers prayers. And if you'd like to get those, I know I sent them to Pastor Brown. So um, you can always see him, and he can probably print them off for you. And we do cover your prayers. Thank you for having us. Seems like he's excited about going. Amen. I personally want to be a part of that. So we'll be praying about that. We'll be praying for this family as a uh, Lord willing, the, by the end of the year at least, they'll be. Uh, over there. Uh, one of the things we always pray for uh, preachers and people that surrender to the ministry, they always say, God, don't send me to Africa. <laughs> um, and, you know, but the thing it is, as he said, you know, the, that's where God wants them. That's where God's directed them. And so I'm sure that uh, maybe he might have had that thought at once upon a time, God, anywhere but Africa. But when God changes your heart, it's anywhere. But Africa is uh, uh, the wrong place. Uh, so anywhere, um, 
he, he wants to be in Africa. That's where God's called him, so uh, he and his family. So thank you, brother, for coming and, uh, and sharing your burden with us. All right, let's all stand. We'll close in word of prayer. Get by and see this family and uh, ask them whatever questions. or um, If you want to get their uh, email, they can write that down, uh, or they, they can write your email down, and they can send a prayer letter. All right, let's close in a word of prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Danny, sir, would you please, sir? Father, we thank the Lord for the privilege of being in your house this morning. Calling for this family, we ask, Lord, that you be with them and use them in a great mighty way in the issue of the Africa, Lord, that you provide their every need and help them, Lord, to get there uh, fully ready to serve you in every way possible, spiritually, physically, financially. Lord, we ask that we dismiss here to go with us and use us for your honor and glory. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.